Jacksonville sign running back Jamal Charles. I believe you lads had a chat about this on the podcast last week and then cut it out because you were so far off the fucking mark <laughs> and you didn't want the world to know. So I thought we better put that in here. Who's editing this week? <laughs> better not be Connor. Cut that out, Rodan. Cut that shit out. to all things NFL. I'm back and I didn't die during exams so we're going to look at the games from last week, all the news from around the league, some of your questions and preview next week's games. So hey guys, we've got Connor here, we've got Harry. Hello. And we got Ronan. Hello. How are we getting on lads? Any crack? No, we decided we're vetoing this section after two weeks of not doing it. <laughs> Nobody cares about our lives, Connor. Yeah, I think it's the, the flavour that really makes it work, you know. I didn't know death was a common like side effect of taking exams, but... Mm. It can well, be, well played yeah. and surviving regardless, I Yeah, I should do that. I'll do a, do, a, do a statistical regression to see if the impact of, uh, of taking exams has on your life expectancy. I wonder if it spikes. <laughs> so I imagine you'd be more likely to be like driving while, uh, while tired and stuff like that during it. So it probably does have some kind of indirect correlation. But yeah, yeah no other scandal. Finished up my exams. I'm now free for a sum total of about 10 days before my next course starts. So that'll be fun. We're going to do so many drugs in those 10 days. <laughs> There'll be party times. Just, just, just mainline that uh, that Sunday night football to my veins, please. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. we, will, we will talk about that in due course as well. Uh, there's been lots of news. After a couple of weeks of very little, there's a lot to get through, so we'll start flying through some of these. So the main story, I suppose, is probably Tampa Bay defensive coordinator Mike Smith has been fired. He's been replaced by their linebackers coach, Mark Duffner, I think it is. Tampa Bay have been just comically bad on defense while they had a decent start to the year that was because Fitzmagic was in full effect at that point their defense was still terrible this is an interesting one because you can question as well the personnel as well as the coaching on that defense it seemed as kind of a last ditch move for that entire coaching staff because let's be honest we've all been pretty certain that this is Dirk Cotter's last year anyway you know so do we think, one, is this the end of Mike Smith? And two, will this buy any time for the rest of the coaching staff like Cotter on this, let's be honest, quite downwards trajectory Tampa Bay Buccaneers team? Very optimistic that this will save Dirk Cotter's coaching ticket. I think we were all incredibly surprised that he managed to survive to 2018, uh, to be honest. So that gave an indication of how hot we all thought that he was. Obviously, the early flash in the pan, it's magic. Uh, might have given us a little bit of pause of thought, but now that things have kind of regressed to the mean, and this defense has just been so bad, like absolutely trash, and there's really been no, like there's been a couple of losses in the secondary, but there's no like real situation where you're like, okay, this is why it's gone wrong, this is why it's gone wrong, like with Atlanta, for example, and obviously when you don't have Pat Mahomes making up for your terrible defense, uh, someone ends up getting fired. And Mike Smith, he's very, he's very, he was very well paid for being a defensive coordinator, obviously a former head coach, and, you know, if you're being well paid, if you have a name and you don't do this, if you don't want to get fired yourself, then going for that uh, as a lightning rod for the fans and satisfaction makes perfect sense. I, I, I don't really know if this Duffner character doesn't really have that much more, much more experience, definitely has no more experience, can make something out of this. But, you know, for Tampa Bay, I suppose some change is better than nothing in terms of at least getting a little bit of reprieve for the defense sorting itself yeah. out. No, of course, this is, uh, this is twice in a row the Falcons have got Mike Smith fired, I think, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just in terms of the question about Smith himself, because I think, I think I agree with Ronan completely on Connor. I mean, this was a guy who, you know, with, with Atlanta, it was the conservatism and inability to adapt that ultimately cost him his head coaching job there. 
And now we're seeing the same thing in the same thing in in Tampa Bay. Um, it's an inability to adapt, an inability to utilize talent properly. Uh, extremely bland, conservative play calling from that defense. So yeah. yeah, I think this is probably going to be the the end of the road for him. This is one of those things where it's like there are coaches that can recover from bad things, but this is a guy who has now consistently over a couple of gigs indicated that the game is passing has passed him by. Yeah. So I think this probably could be the the end of the line. No, of course. And to be honest, like we said, I'm I'm in lockstep with you. I think possibly the end of the line for himself. I can't see where would be taking a punt on him next, or at least at least not for a season or two anyway, at which point he'd be, what, like 90? Yeah. But I imagine as well Tampa Bay is going to clear out both the coaching staff and their quarterback room uh, after this year. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, on to our injury report. So we had a couple of season-ending injuries. So uh, offensive guard Ronald Leary for the Denver Broncos is gone with a torn Achilles. He's away for the season. Minnesota also lose cornerback Mike Hughes, torn ACL, is, and he's gone for the season two this is hitting them pretty hard at Denver I don't think had massive aspirations this year looking at how the year was going but this does not help them with their QB carousel and potential problems they're losing a guard Minnesota's defense is good but you can't be losing lots of pieces so hopefully they'll be able to survive well, Minnesota's defense isn't good anymore well yes uh, and he's been away for two weeks Connor but <laughs> yes it's true they have not been performing but they do have talent on that defense yeah. at least are either of these ones jumping out to you a huge amount no not really like Mike Hughes is promising but I don't expect. Don't think they were expecting him to be like the, the identity of that defense just yet. It's a shame, but not much. And yeah, it makes Denver worse, which means they'll be less fun to watch if that's somehow possible. Yeah, no, of course. A uh, couple of other injuries. So quarterback Ryan Tannehill was held out of the game on Sunday with a shoulder injury. They say he's day to day, so we don't have any update on his week five. Josh Allen had an elbow sprain and is now week to week as well. No one knows what it is and what's going on there really and Chicago are being very quiet about this one defensive end and I think front runner for the defensive player of the year Khalil Mack has injured his ankle apparently he suffered this injury during the game and stayed in he apparently came back on gutted it out and all reports are that he just wasn't the same player and that's a rather unusual way for a team to deal with an injury based on the fact that he played for the rest of the game you would expect it to be you know week-to-week type of situation, but maybe there's something that's going on here that they're not talking about. Yeah, no. RIP Chicago Bears week one to week five. LA Rams had wide receiver Cooper Cup get an MCL sprain after he went out the back of the end zone on a play. Again, he's week to week. Uh, Baltimore offensive guard Alex Lewis is week to week. There's lots sorry, of. Sorry, that's a massive understatement. Um, Cup got a horse collar, didn't he? Oh, did he? Sorry, I didn't realize it was a horse collar tackle that yeah. he got on it, and then he went down. And fair enough. Yeah. yeah, Alex Lewis has injured his neck, so he's week to week. Calvin Ridley is ankle week to week. Quincy Anunwa is a high ankle sprain, so it'll be a couple of weeks. Uh, Marcus May has injured his thumb, so that's three or four weeks. And Cincinnati linebacker Nick Vigil has a sprained MCL, so he's probably gone for about a month. Motherfuckers on my team, and that really weird league that only has one defensive player for some reason. And you have Nick Vigil. Uh, he was scoring really well. Bizarre. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. So these, it's, it's quite a, particularly the Tannehill injury was surprising because I don't think we were really that aware of this coming into the game. And then uh, the Brock Lobster, I think, was it his first ever three hundred and fifty yard yeah. game. Brock Lobster undefeated in two thousand eighteen. Uh, undefeated. He's he's defeated the Chicago Bears for every team he's played for. <laughs> He is, he's also he's opened playing for each of those teams against the Chicago Bears and beaten them, I believe. That is amazing. I Which love is that just stuff. a, a, a yeah. mad stat. He's like the Bear together. Killer. He's going to be the new, uh, what was it, uh, you're out of the buck fucker. Like, he's yeah. going to be the, the, the Bear Slayer. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, is this, does, I presume that one we probably reckon is the one that has the highest likelihood of causing some problems here because I'm not going to lie, even though we were questionable about how good or bad this 
Dolphins team where I'm probably airing towards the bad. With Brock Lobster under centre, you can't have any faith in them at all, right? It's well, weird, because I think, like, Ryan Tannehill, like, that Adam Gates and that Miami offence are just so boring. It's all, like, like they have basically the lowest, like, one of the lowest percentages of going deep regardless. And Brock Lobster, for all of his issues, has generally been okay if his only job is to dump the ball off, more or less. It's really just when they tried to turn him into an actual quarterback who throws on the field long and intermediate that he's gotten to all those interception issues. If there's somewhere where Brock Lobster can be average, then this is it. But we'll talk about that more in the in the actual game reviews anyway. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I think just to mention the Josh Allen thing, he obviously hasn't been very good, but just the moments, there's a whole debate going on now, apparently in the locker room uh, against McDermott. He wants to start Peterman again, uh, but they got Derek Anderson to sign him a couple of weeks ago, and they want to start an actual quarterback. Yeah, it's a uh, good God, like, fuck's sake. Over, we'll swing on to controversy corner. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is now expected to be back with Pittsburgh during this week. He said he'd be back during the bye week, but there's been some mention that if he joins them during the bye week, he won't get paid for that week. So he might join them just before the bye week instead. To be honest, I just I don't care about this anymore yeah, at all. Like, James Connors look good. They're probably happy enough to be moving on after the season. Lev Bell will be is better, but yeah, but they might. They, you know, you know the way they're they're a bit uh, snaky down there. They might just like force him to carry it 60 times a game just to completely you know yeah. punish him for taking half the year off yeah like I just don't know it's, like, it's the thing like I understand the rationale behind Lev Bell we've discussed this a number of times already and like I agree with his approach I disagree with how Pittsburgh have dealt with it and that kind of organised response from the locker room and yeah just I, I just want the story to be over get him onto the team get him playing some snaps met the poor people who drafted him in fantasy feel slightly better about having him on their teams again and then just let him get out of there injury free and try and get a get a ticket in the off season yeah yeah uh, crime and punishment Tyreek Hill during the game that we'll discuss later on was looking for the fan who threw beer at him to get punished more I believe or something along these lines this basically comes from at the end of a scoring touchdown I believe it was one of the fans in the front rows of Foxborough decided that they wanted to throw beer at him Foxborough PD got his picture he's now been banned from the stadium or something along those lines and Hill is speaking with the NFLPA about what could be done about this type of thing I kind of understand a little bit of where it's coming from but I think it's like it's a stupid thing like fans will be stupid just get the guy banned from the place and that's fine I get the idea of like don't it shouldn't fans shouldn't be throwing shit at players but like being banned for life from the stadium it seems adequate enough for me yeah it seems like an adequate punishment I mean you know what isn't an adequate punishment Go probation on. for choking and punching your pregnant girlfriend Tyreek Hill mm. I just don't think Tyreek Hill is in a position to complain about having beer thrown in his face considering what he's done in his life Fair enough. I mean, I think the fans should be banned from the stadium for life. I just think Tyreek Hill should shut the fuck up about this. I know, I've had this, I've had this discussion with you beforehand about this. I don't like what he did. I like. Are you really worried if you did like what he did? <laughs> it's true, it's true. <laughs> I like, Brave statement. I like, I, like, I like how he's tried to deal with it since... He's now married to her, I believe, actually. Yeah, it's um, fucked up. Like, but, uh, you know, people but, uh, are weird. And does a lot of charity work stuff around it. But, like, yeah, like I get I get he doesn't want people throwing stuff at it, but, like, relax. Like, one of the most iconic images that the Chiefs have is Jamal Charles after he ran in his fifth touchdown against the Oakland Raiders with just sheets of ice being thrown at him by all the Raiders fans and him just brushing it maybe, off. Maybe this is the fans as a collective unit taking revenge for that time Marcus Peters fucked the flag into the. Yeah, it could well be. It could well Although be. the kid who called it seemed quite happy, so I don't know. Yeah, it made his fucking day. Like. Um, but, yeah, so that's most of it for Camden. Do you know what? So far this year, there has 
hasn't been a wild pile of stuff. So I wonder if we're just expecting a glut of stuff around week eight or nine in Crime and Punishment. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, keep it for the bye week. Yeah, like so far we've got a, should we pursue a guy for throwing beer at someone more and no insider trading? Like that is the, the, the biggest chunk of it so far. Uh, trades, extension, signings and cuts. Tampa Bay extend offensive guard Ali Marpet. Five years, 55 million with 27 million guaranteed. And then also uh, in other trade extension signings news, uh, the fire sale has begun in Oakland. Uh, they are apparently shopping absolutely anyone uh, that they can. They're looking for a first round pick for Amari Cooper. Good luck. Uh, Carl Joseph is on the trading block as well. Anyone who you like on their roster, just give them a ring. There's, there's a fantastic website at the moment called Is John Gruden Fired Yet? I think it is. Yeah. And it has a giant countdown clock that counts down the $100 million that he's being paid by by the second and how long is left on his contract and how much he has earned since you visited the website there's also discussions about LaShawn McCoy potentially being traded out of Buffalo I believe the Eagles were connected with that one but they think it might be too expensive and Patrick Peterson is people are saying he might be available but I believe the head office are saying that that's not a thing that's happening so are any of these things standing out to yourselves guys I'm shocked that uh, the concept of somebody getting a first rounder for Murray Cooper yeah uh Cooper has been dreadful since his rookie season, really, and is having another very, very difficult year. Uh, that is just bananas to me. That the, uh, they think anyone will go with that. There's no way. There's no way in hell they get this value from Cooper. And I think this is just again another sign that the coaching staff and front office of that team are just totally divorced from, like, what, totally divorced from reality. Yeah, Leave their like, like, That's true. But then you see the type of money that was given to Alan Robinson and Sammy Watkins in the off season, and you're like, okay, like the first round is probably a bit much, but. Obviously, people are willing to pay for those potential WR one side. But, but like, I like, I think, I think it's still ridiculous. But people will pay a premium for people that they think can play that role. But he's also like, he's only got a year left on that deal, doesn't he? And that's the fifth round option, I think. They they're gonna have to pay him what about like eleven million for the next year yeah. and then get him under contract. So they're going to have to, it's not like, I'd understand if it was in year two or three and you kind of go, right, you can get him with like two years on a cheap deal and see if he fits or something. But like, this is literally buying into a guy at a fairly hefty price that you're going to have to give a long-term contract to. Yeah, but I think like, you know, with all these trade rumors, obviously there's a bit of, you know, shenanigans going on and the Raiders are start high and then maybe trade him for a second or a third or something like that if they think they can get that. Like, you know, like we were told for so long that uh, Seahawks wouldn't trade Earl Thomas for less than two round, two second rounders, and yet when he got that injury, Kansas City were about to get him for a second rounder. That's what the credible reports are saying. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it negotiation is... tactics, etc. In the press. Yeah, no, of course, of course. But um, it's interesting, though, to just think that like they are they, <laughs> that on the face of it, the Oakland Raiders are currently saying that Amari Cooper is worth slightly more than fifty uh, percent of Khalil Mack. <laughs> that is some top quality player evaluation other bits of news Fortnite Seattle Seahawks owner Paul Allen has died from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma at the age of 65 uh, he saved Seattle from moving in the 90s uh, they've kind of turned the franchise around to an extent uh, under his thing under his uh, tenure they have, to an extent they like just won a Super Bowl like, no I mean no but what I mean is like they, they, they turned it around they got a nice gig big kind of chunk as being kind of a top team and then now there's kind of a, a new transitionary period as to what the team is going to become so that was very exciting uh, his sister is I think slated to take over but there's rumours abounding a that, lady uh, owner that uh, she does not have a particularly strong interest in it and it might be sold so obviously Fitz this is your team so do you want to chat a bit about it? 
obviously, as you mentioned there, the historic attraction between him and the fans is very strong because he's basically saved that team from moving to LA. I think he was also a good owner in the sense that he was hands-off. Just like he's one of those like super rich owners, but not a dick about it. So unlike in like Cronkey with LA, uh, he's just like, oh, I'm a multi-billionaire with tons of money. Okay, and I like I like Seattle. I'll just buy the Seahawks and prevent them from moving and then just kind of let the football people do their job. Yeah, he bought a couple of sports teams, didn't he? Yeah, he had a couple other teams. Trailblazers in Portland. But, like, basically, like, I think Seattle, they lost their baseball team to Sanders around the same time. So, obviously, they know the reality of that in Seattle. So, I think it's, it's a huge issue and it's a major source of uncertainty for fans. If the sister decides to take over, that's fine. She'll probably run the same as, as the brother. Uh, apparently, she's a fan of the Seahawks, but not of the other teams. Uh, so she might just be interested in the Seahawks. Uh, and if it is sold, like we know in the, today's NFL, you can get a good owner, hopefully, and the new owners tend to be better than the old owner, like the kind of not-as-rich old owners. But obviously any situation like that could end up with, you know, a, a Snyder or, you know, a San Francisco or any of those type of situations where the owner just becomes a major negative. So I think Seahawks fans well, are just like, well, they can't sort it as soon as possible. Well, look, you're far enough north that, like, I remember it was only, what, three years ago that John Bon Jovi and his buddies were trying to get together to buy a football team. Maybe you could be John Bon Jovi's new team. You see, that's exactly the thing. I, the Seahawks fans are like, not really. <laughs> to that, like, <laughs> in the country, too. Yeah, so it's true. Like, Seattle, fans, Seattle fans are all 12 years old, so they've no idea who the fuck John Bon Jovi is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, was he in, like, Nirvana? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this, um, is, oh, this is how they end up getting bought out with Billy Ray Cyrus in a hilarious oh, like, good you know, God, yeah. mistaken identity. Mm. I love how you're like, Buffalo, Seattle, they're like the same thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> also, just as a side note, Dallas somehow got even more irritating because they allowed Conor McGregor to come onto the sidelines, help hype them up, and uh, throw the ugliest-looking spiral I have yeah, ever I, seen. I'd throw better passes than that. <laughs> like, also, do you see the Dallas players doing the fucking like, Conor McGregor walk? Like, he's an arsehole, and he was... He's an arsehole. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck up. Like, I just, I never want, after he knocked him back to me, I was like, great. Let's never fucking hear from Conor McGregor again. I am sick. I'm sick of Conor McGregor. And I turn on, watch some football, and I'm like, and here's a slow motion replay of Conor McGregor failing at throwing a football. Like, Yeah. Mm. And because that late, like the late afternoon slate of games was so poor this week, there was a lot of Conor McGregor, even on Red Zone, which is specifically designed to weed out that bullshit. Yeah, yeah. no, 100%. Um, but yeah, so that takes us from all the news this week, and we'll move on to have a look at some of the games from last week. So, we're going to look at three games this week, as nearly always. Uh, first up in the Ring of Honor, it was the Sunday Night Football Spectacular, Kansas City at New England, 40-43, to finishing in the last seconds on a ghost field goal. This was a fantastic back-and-forth game between two big AFC... I think Fitz has said superpowers here, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Have you, you know? seen the rest of the AFC, Connor? That's true, I have seen the rest <laughs> of the AFC. Yeah, like this is... A lot of people are hyping this up as obviously being potential championship game that will be happening at the end of the season. It'll, it'll definitely be two teams are going to be in the postseason anyway um, Holmes came back from a very shaky first half to lead the Kansas City to their I think their first lead happened with like eight minutes remaining in the game it was very very exciting to watch I, I didn't get to watch it at the time I had to watch it the following day <laughs> uh, so like, I got home from my exam at one o'clock 
or made a sandwich and then just sat down and watched it for the next two and a half hours. Uh, New England looked very good, quite balanced on offense, using a, like I think no 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 punt, but there was a turnover on fourth down in the first quarter. That was it. Yeah, yeah, the opening opening possession, I think. Or, yeah, 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 it was. So uh, looks looks very good, I must say. Uh, both defenses like gave up a lot of points, but there were individual players who looked good in, in certain spots here and there. Overall, geez, I just, I just thought this was this was savage to watch. It was just really exciting, really inventive football. Imagine uh, how good all of these teams would be if they could play fucking defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be mad and be mad. So like what did you take away from this Pat's offense, Harry? Because obviously Tom Brady was very good, but we saw a lot from Sonny Michelle. We saw a lot of weapons getting used. Uh, it was it just seemed to be rounding into shape and I know a way that we kinda are used to seeing New England getting to once we hit October, but I think more comprehensively than maybe some other years. Yeah, I think we've seen a bit of it over the last few weeks. Um, but this was this was particularly impressive. Now, Casey's defence isn't great, but also we've seen Casey teams come in, drop forty points on the Patriots recently and, and win. Just kind of came and dropped 40 points and lost. I think we really are seeing this. And I, I like, I really loved Sonny Michel being a thing. Like, and I was very skeptical of him early in the season, but he's really come on leaps and bounds. I think we saw, like, the Patriots put up 43 points. Tom Brady only threw one touchdown in this game. Now, he did run for another one uh, after an incident, which I'm sure we'll, we'll maybe discuss later. But <laughs> this was a really, like, when you say that word balance, I think this is the key thing. It was like, this is New England at, and this is what we talked about last week on the podcast. This is a team that, that is so well coached that a team like Kansas City that's kind of got a lot of vulnerabilities, this is a team that can exploit them. And we saw that, they're like, right, we're going to pound this thing. We're going to run the ball like 35, nearly 40 times in this game because that's something we can exploit. That's a, a problem that Kansas City have had. We've got Tom Brady, we've got probably the best quarterback of all time, but we don't need to rely on him to win this game. So let's let's balance it out. Let's, you know, not have him throw the ball 50 times. Let's, let's work it through. And we saw... I think this was probably the best game we've seen from Michelle this season. He looked really, really good running the ball. We still know that guys like James White can guys like James White can contribute. And we saw like again the weapons in the passing game come into it. Like Gronkowski had close to hundred yards. Like the ball was spread around so much. Hogan got in on the action after he's been basically invisible. Edelman getting a touchdown. Uh, Josh Gordon getting the most targets on the team and would have had a touchdown, but for a look, I will admit cynical but correct given the the balance of incentives, pass interference played. And that I really love that. Like, there's so much going on in this offense now that even for, like, basically they took on the most explosive offense in the league and said, right, we'll boat race you and we will we will win. And that's it, it, what happened. That was very, very close to the end. But, like, seeing that, seeing Josh Gordon Amber as, as a legitimate deep threat after a few miscommunications in the first half, seeing Edelman uh, coming back and opening up those things underneath. Uh, Gronkowski isn't getting a huge amount of utilization, but when he did, he was devastatingly effective. He got, I think, 97 yards on three catches. That's the, those are the kind of numbers you want with a guy who can break up up the scene like up the scene like that. We're seeing James White become one of the best pass catching backs in the league, and now we've got a run game that seems to be functional. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. This Pats offense is similar to what Kansas City has been earlier this season. It's now becoming that horrible cliche term: pick your poison. There are so many ways this team can beat you right now. When you have not only obviously we know how good Brady is, but he's got options now in the, the short game in the. In, in the in the deep ball in the intermediate zones like this is going to be a matchup nightmare for teams moving forward and as a Patriots fan I'm really really excited to I'm really really excited to see that yeah no of course uh, it was an interesting job from Mahomes that to be able to come back it was it was a proper kind of pressure situation coming into the second half and having to lead them in what was very exciting defense stepped up a little bit and started holding them to threes and I think that's the thing in these situations it's about defenses because let's be honest neither of these are like 
top form defenses, we'll say. Forcing threes instead of sevens, I think, is key to it. Uh, my one, my one hope for the for the Chiefs' defense is that obviously they're missing a number of their starters in this game. So both starting safeties were out because Barry and Murray were both out. Houston was missing. Kay Passa was missing. There's a few other people missing as well. So hopefully some of them can come back and help. But also, like, it's fine because I the worst thing that could happen would be if we get just good enough on defense that Bob Sutton doesn't get fired next year, which is really <laughs> devastating to me. Fitz, as a neutral watching this, what were your takeaways? I think, like, for me, the big thing was, like, in terms of Mahomes, just obviously uh, I can't be as excited as you. But we saw in the first half he could make a few mistakes, but, like, on like like the second interception in particular, coming up in the second at the end of the second half, when he basically threw into a very tight window when they were in field goal range. That's the kind of thing you're like, maybe he shouldn't have done that. Maybe he should be smarter. But then you see him do those types of passes from impossible situations and score touchdowns like he did against Tampa Bay earlier this uh, season. Uh, but the main thing that, that comes there is that when Kansas City are behind now, you don't no longer have that sense of dread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that they're just going to like slowly like crumble and not really get back into a game against a team like New England or against a team like Pittsburgh or other teams like that. From coming back from behind, Mahomes gives them that extra magic, makes them look good. Now, if they could just also have a defense where if they get far ahead, they can stop the other team from scoring, then maybe they can win a, a playoff game or two. Mm. Uh, but like even, like obviously I'm joking there, I think just with this team, with Mahomes, he's just been so exciting, so amazing that uh, even though, even when he makes mistakes, you see what he's trying to do and you're like, the, the only reason he's trying to is because he can do that. And if you were to take that away from it, it would just make Kansas City uh, not the exciting, brilliant team that they could potentially be this season. Yeah, no, it'll be fun to see now because uh, we've got a tough game coming up for KC with Cincy coming in. We'll discuss that later on. But uh, I mean, I will say on this just on Kansas City, like I said this before the game, that this was going to be the test of like where Kansas City are, whether or not they could win this game. And I really think that, and I agree with Ronan, that although they lost this game, and I said this is where we're going to know if they're really good, I, I think even in defeat, this is, I think, about as good yeah, a defeat as you could possibly wish for. Oh yeah, it was bizarre. Like this I team is is legitimate. Yeah, like, I wasn't I wasn't even mad whenever. <laughs> so it was just weird. I was like I was a bit annoyed as soon as as soon as I saw like we get the ball back and we just score in eight seconds and go fuck it take longer Jesus. Yeah, there was a couple of Pinyi and Cincinnati. It was like why would you score that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, it does make you feel good. And there's that thing of it just came out of like who essentially that idea of who has possession and at the end of the game because that's probably going to decide it. But no, it was very fun. Look forward to seeing a rematch now. Uh, in January we'll move on to the neutral zone this is Cincinnati at Pittsburgh 21 to 28 game winning catch by Antonio Brown looks like there was an illegal block in there by Justin Hunter uh, which is kind of par for the course in these AFC North games it was a pretty decent job bit balance from Pittsburgh showing James Conner got going again getting a lot of production out of the uh, out of the wide receivers as well Cincinnati didn't play with the kind of strength we were expecting them to come into. Like we didn't get the production out of Mixon maybe early on that you would have expected, and and with the exception of like Tyler Boyd was essentially most of their <laughs> most of their scoring of it, which uh, which was uh, I, I presume a bit surprising to most people at yeah. that point. It felt like a game that Cincinnati should have been able to win, though. I think. Like, what's your take on that? Yeah, this is something I, I actually mentioned there as a comparison point to the uh, Kansas City. This was this this game was lost owing to incredibly bad clock management. Mm. Um, they were in a short field situation towards the end of the game with quite a bit of time left on the clock, and 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 they blew it. They scored way too quick. They went out of bounds. A terrible mental yeah. error from AJ Green, and then 
are basically scored on effectively the next play. So when they had an option, um, and they'd had a fairly long drive up to that point, but they went 75 yards in 2 minutes and 14 seconds with not that much time left on the clock. Like, you have to take that down. You cannot give Pittsburgh, who are one of those teams you cannot give that kind of kind yeah. of time to. And, I mean, getting away from just that, that issue of, of the error, like which sort of, I think, you know, obviously allowed Pittsburgh to, to win this, there were large portions of this game where Cincinnati looked fairly comfortable, but they, they seem to have difficulty finishing, you know? And it's always a problem with this, this team, and we've seen it throughout the years, that when they come up against... Like, there's almost something psychological, you know? Mm-hmm. When they come up against teams like Pittsburgh and good teams, and they just kind of play within themselves and just kind of crumble. And I think we, we, we saw that again, just an, sloppy at times. And, like, this Cincinnati team is good. They should have won this game. Like, this team... We saw them show, like, the ability to come back against, say, Miami. Like, Pittsburgh's defense is not good at the moment. They should have been able to, to do a lot more here. And like you say, guys like Mixon and Green need to have better games than this. Ronan, so when we look at this Pittsburgh team, this is a home game for them against a divisional rival. This is normally where you expect to see, you know, the home field, Big Ben come out and, like, start carving stuff up. I know these are normally tough games, but, like, I I, I look at that and you kind of go, this is... This is, this is where they're meant to show their strength and where they're meant to separate themselves and historically where they would have separated themselves from the rest of the AFC North. And it can't help but feel that they're coming way back to the pack when you look at this game and you think they probably should have lost it. Yeah, but I think if you look, like that's one way of viewing it kind of compared to the last year. But the way I kind of try to look at it is like, you know, compared to how they were early in the season where they were absolute trash. Like think back to that first game against Cleveland, which happened in similar kind of inclement weather and they literally could not do anything and they come in here and they finally manage to look a bit like the offense this is the first i think offensive performance where they kind of had balanced enough offense both james connor had a good game and the pass game uh, was pretty good so over like 111 yards for connor 369 pass yards for rollinsberger antonio brown is fine is over 100 yards juju smith is over 100 yards and even get vance mcdonald involved in the tight end game so for me like I, I, you're right. It's definitely not the offense we saw last year when Lev Bell, Antonio Brown, and Big Ben were just like ripping the league apart. But if you're looking at the trend come the early season, they're starting to like look again like that offense. Like I think you know the inclement weather definitely held them back a bit. But I think if you look at this offense, it was balanced. They finally put it all together, and obviously they're getting Lev Bell back possibly soon, and that could add an extra X factor to this yeah. to pick it up to that next level. But for me, as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, this was a must-win game. Gutted it out in the end and got your win in the, you know, perhaps illegal situations. But they had Vontaze perfect, so it evens out in the end. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think for a Pittsburgh fan, you were hoping for a correction here. And getting this win to ensure you're only a half game behind both the Bengals and the Ravens at this stage, a few weeks ago, that seemed like an impossible dream. So I think the Steelers fans would definitely take this performance and where they are right now given what we saw early on this season. Yeah, that was something that you, you just mentioned at the tail end there that I wanted to mention. Like, we're sitting in a spot where we have regulation now about how much weight you can tackle a quarterback with and, you know, how you can put your helmet when you're trying to tackle. The reports about Vontez Burfitt on the field at this game were disgusting. So he was obviously going for a lot of hard hits, kind of headhunting to an extent. But the report coming out is that he was coming over to the line following that hit on on Antonio Brown and uh, pointed over at Juju Smith-Schuster and said, I'm coming for you next, Juju. Like, that kind of stuff. How is that not getting flagged and that kind of dangerous play not getting flagged? Like, 
a, a player was penalised last week for standing for half a second too long over near a quarterback because you have to clear the area from them afterwards. Whereas this one can scream across a line, I'm coming for you next after doing a very dirty hit on his friend and that doesn't get flagged as taunting. Juju did basically murder Perfect last season, in fairness. I mean, he probably deserved it, but look, it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but it's what the referees hear. It's, it's all these, these things are taunting and all this shit. It's literally... It, you know, it only really happens with the referee standing like two feet away. Yeah. Like they often don't hear it, and they can, this gets picked up on a mic, but may not get. If the referees are distracted or focusing on the thing, they may not actually hear it clearly, and they don't. But I mean, there's all kinds of. It's a kind of thing that technically is against the rules, but it's like you, you say with mic up. Like te- if you when you hear the mic up players, like technically, if you say the n word on the field, that should be a penalty. But obviously, mm-hmm. players use it to address each other all the time. Uh, obviously, African American players. I mean, if any white players, <laughs> oh, well, Richie Incognito apparently. Yeah. But other than obviously Richie fucking Incognito, uh, the rest don't really. Flag. You've ne- I've never seen that flagged. So I think there's, they, they generally tend to have a bit, unless like this is done right in front of them and it's very blatant, particularly with verbal taunting. Yeah, they tend to be quite lenient on it. Now, I think this just is another chapter in Vontas Burfitt is not a very nice man. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, this isn't. I, I you know I mean I don't think it's particularly shocking given how we generally see this kind of stuff regulated. Yeah, it, it, I, I'm just going to assume that all uh, AFC North games just exist in some kind of parallel regulation environment, yeah. and they play each other, and they're basically allowed to kick the shit out of each other. Uh, they seem to enjoy it, so I suppose let them at it seems to be the referee's position. It's, and maybe there is a slight overreaction from the early on situation in these types of games that are traditionally loved for their hard, you know, hidden ways. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Um, but yeah, Vontas Burfitt, still scum. We'll move on to the dumpster fire now. Chicago at Miami, uh, 28-31 in overtime. There was one or two other contenders for the dumpster fire, uh, which we would normally give dishonorable mentions to, but we've decided we don't want to talk about those teams because they're boring <laughs> as fuck. No S- more Titans. No more Titans. This was a game where two teams who had been decent on defense gave up a lot of yards to pretty poor quarterback play. Like I don't, I don't get the way that Chicago played in overtime, especially given that like this is a coach that's kind of known for being a bit more aggressive and going for it and trying to go for that same kind of branch of the, you know, the Andy, the Philadelphia Eagles style ballsy. But like three runs and a field goal attempt is is that maybe because he doesn't trust the quarterback? And let's make it clear, we all knew that the huge, was it five or six touchdown performance wasn't an indicator of what his actual skill level was last week. But like, you gotta you gotta be able to trust Mitch Titties in that spot, right? Completely legitimate. And obviously we saw in week one against Green Bay, you know, they played conservative in the second half and then Aaron Rodgers, you know, managed to beat them in a massive comeback. And like, I, I was looking at that, like, overtime game. And like, yeah, they had some success running the ball that they're getting like first downs or near first downs. But then you got into near field goal range and then suddenly you decide not to do anything. You basically run up the gut and we're getting nothing because like Dolphins were fully selling out at that point for. And like this was a long field goal they were setting up for. Like this was like a high 40, I think 47. Um, so this isn't like a gimme. And I think in that situation, when you're the Bears and you've had more success in the recent weeks by expanding your playbook, by moving beyond like, oh, we'll just run Jordan Howard a thousand times. They brought in Taylor Gabriel. They brought in Tariq Cohen. They opened up the playbook. They had a lot more success, including early on in this game. But it just seems that when the chips were down, Matt Nagy kind of maybe went a little bit Andy Reid. It's like, no, 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 I don't I don't like winning or, or having a good game. I'm just going to kind of waffle around and stuff like here. And with a team that's been like, you know, against a team 
which has as many holes as Miami and who like, basically didn't look very like much on defense. I think Mitch Trubisky, you, you finally got him going uh, you know, over the last couple of weeks. Give him the ball, give him a chance to show himself in overtime and at least give him that third down opportunity because running it up the gut in that way, it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's just, you know, the Bears, like, going like the Dolphins, who I believe we've never really bought into, the Bears are one of those teams that we, I think we think could make that next step uh, this season. And to just see them throw away two games already this season in basically a self-harming fashion, it's just incredibly disappointing to see. And I think on the defensive end, uh, defensive side, you have to be a bit worried that, you know, Neil Mack got injured, as we mentioned, wasn't really himself. Suddenly the defense looks really bad. That's obviously something we should, we should probably should be a little bit worried about in Chicago uh, if he's out for any considerable time. No, of course. And we also had a Brock Lobster sighting. As we mentioned in the injury section, Tannehill is not feeling himself. He had an injured shoulder. So uh, Brock Lobster, the crustacean sensation, came in, had his first 350-yard game. Was it two touchdowns, two picks? Or... Uh, three and three, two. Three and two. Not a bad performance from him. Yeah, um, this was a it was weird though, wasn't it? I mean, also about shout out Frank Gore for our hundred yard rushing game. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this was a weird one. I oh, say also shout out to Miami staff for going away from him on the fucking on the fucking goal line. I am Kenyan Drake. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. Anyway, the this was a weird game, and I mean, it, you know, Craig talks about it, but now we see stuff like oh, you know, Mac was injured, and this game was played in the heat, and we've seen what the heat does to defenses. It's like, hmm, I wouldn't get too overexcited oh, about this. Oh, oh Patriots so, fan explaining how it's difficult to go to Miami. It is. It is <laughs> difficult to go play in Miami. I'm sorry. It fucking is like. The Rock did two hard seasons of ballers down there and he did just fine. <laughs> Connor, ballers isn't real. It's a documentary! <laughs> this is the fucking Easter Bunny all over again. <laughs> This was always tries to get teams to move across the country. That that just happens all the time. Yeah. That's why the Oakland oh, Raiders right? are staying in Oakland because The Rock fixed it and became a property developer. Spoilers <laughs> oh, for yeah, season yeah. two. <laughs> oh yes. Forget about Brock Osweiler for a second. How many other games this season do you think we're going to see Albert Wilson have a six one five five two stat line? Six mm. catches for 155 and two touchdowns. How many times do we think Albert Wilson is going to do that this season? Because I'm thinking yeah. twice. Zero. He already had he already had one big game. He earns his yards because every single throw is like two yards. <laughs> like this was a fucking bizarre game. Uh, it really was just a weird game, and I, I, I'm very reluctant to read anything into to Brock Osweiler from this. I think a lot of it was sort of dink and dunk stuff, and let the guys do their do their crap after the after the ball after mm-hmm. the catch. But like. This was all short stuff like Albert Wilson, Danny Amendola, and Nick O'Leary were the top targets on this team. Uh, like, nah. I struggle to see how this is anything more than just a, a fluke. Like, this Miami team is weird. They're giving out, like, tough games and stuff, but this was just a strange one to me. And we know Brock Osweiler is not good. Even when he's running simple offenses, we've seen him fuck up monumentally. Yeah. So I don't think this was the future of the Dolphins. I can't believe this team is four and two. Yeah, I was gonna say four and two and three and three. Is three, three, oh, three and two, two three and two. Yeah, because they had their bye already. That's a uh, two weird teams to be in winning records on that. Uh, it's an interesting. One. Actually, I think we had a. I think we had a question about this. It'll come up. So fuck it. we'll just go to that. Will we? Yeah. We're gonna move on to questions from the listeners. Okay, so this one comes in from uh, Emmett, and he says, considering how poorly the passing part of being a quarterback is going for Josh Allen, should the Bills consider running the option on offense instead? Um, no, because I think, I think as was said, uh, I think by Ronan, whenever he initially asked us this question, 
I think normally you need to have a pretty half-decent quarterback to run the option because otherwise it's just running him as a running back, as a wildcat, because if they don't fear a passing option, then running a non-passing quarterback is just playing wildcat. Now, right? I don't have the numbers, but I'm, I think possible that Josh Allen does have more rushing than passing yards this season. Could be, yeah. Um, I, think, I think wildcat is the way to go for this team. Fuck it, you've got Sean McCoy, you've got a quarterback who can run around a bit and can't pass. Just play wildcat for the rest of the season, never pass the ball again. Well, I suppose they used to have, because Josh Allen is now injured as well. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, look, yeah. Nathan Peterman cannot possibly be worse at running than he is at throwing the ball. Oh, I don't know. Well, they have Derek Anderson now, so they could just become right. the literally most boring team in the NFL if they play Derek Anderson. Every single game will be like 3-6. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they've so, already had a couple of those. 2-6, and it's actually four safeties. Yeah. <laughs> I, this, 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 I, I, oh, my God. I did enjoy, though, with Nathan Peterman. like actually became okay, so it's kind of a shame they're getting wasted on what is the worst or second worst offense. It, it was just nice to see Nathan Peterman throw a game-winning touchdown. <laughs> there's, a, there's a great follow on Twitter from some guy who was explaining like, Nathan Peterman putting on his helmet saying, don't worry, coach, I got this. I proceed to immediately throw two interceptions. And well, he is not bothered because apparently he is Christ's child and he doesn't let that stuff bother him. He uh, certainly is a child of God. Yeah, that is a, is a a strong sentiment. Another question that came in, I can't see this one's from, said, uh, is this Miami team an argument to contract the playoff fields? Uh, <laughs> it won't be the first Miami team. It's or last year's Buffalo team or the Miami team before yeah. that year. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, it, 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 like we could just, just just say only one team from the AFC East is allowed in. Well, that'll be that'll be fun once Tom retires, but it would just make it real boring. <laughs> but it isn't because all it means is the Patriots get through, and then like a really crap team that immediately get blown out. Like, yeah, like, to be fair, this year we might be saved by the AFC North sending three teams, yeah. uh, even though none of them are ones I'm that excited about. But I'm more excited about them. Uh, you're not excited about the Browns in the playoffs. <laughs> Miami or whoever. Uh, well, let's see. Like, okay, so the Browns, I'm afraid. I, I think there isn't. Sorry, let's ahead. look. Let's look at the AFC quickly, right? So we're we're expecting Pats, Chiefs, then Jags. That division is a shit yeah. show. Like yeah. that could be anyone, so, like, but it won't be more think, than one. Yeah, basically the AFC side is a random team. The AFC North's a shit show right now. I'd expect one or AFC AFC North team to go. And then the other team is competing with the Chargers, yeah, Miami, and maybe the Jets for that last spot. Yeah, uh, but the Chargers are really good now. But it's the Chargers, so they're they yeah. Like Chargers going to charge. Like I think yeah. the I think the key argument here is really is, is to do with the conferencing more than anything else, as in being like, look, rather than ha- like, why don't you just make the wild cards the best teams in the, the league? Because like the the AFC NFC division is it's a holdover. It doesn't actually do anything and nobody cares. Well, it does. What it does is it ensures that teams who fans of teams who are mediocre will hang on with aspirations of being able to be that 8-8 eight and eight team who makes the playoffs. I suppose that's true, isn't it? It's, it's, it's all about ratings, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that's true. I, I just think it's like... the same way you know, the AFC South shouldn't have things. The NFL doesn't have to with that. But the NFC East is going to be relevant the entire way till the end. Oh, even though God. The yeah. Uh, this is going to be the, the really bad NFC East year where they're all going to be playoff relevant. So we're going to see them all the way down the stretch, even though they're all like eight and eight. Interestingly, this brings us on to our last question. This one comes in from Mike. It said, which 
division will have the lowest winning total to be their champion. So I believe this is like. So I, th- I think we're essentially talking about which will have which yeah. will have a worse record for the winner, the AFC uh, AFC South or the NFC East, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I'm I'm going with the AFC South, man. That division is a tire fire, right? Remember, like, oh, the AFC South's getting competitive. It's all exciting. Nope. All those teams are garbage. Yeah. And, I mean, they can only win so many games against each other. Given the year that's in it, I think it'll be a tie. <laughs> <laughs> NFC is the win on strength of schedule. Oh, what, about, what, about, what about one of them gets in on 8, 7, and 1? That would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, it certainly would be. Yeah. 8, eight 7, and 1 is the... Yeah, we'll say Jags. Jags will play some like really low-scoring game that will result in a tie. Like a, a 9 9 game or something. Right. Sorry, what's the significance of the 8 7 1? Because I'm pretty sure they can have worse records and make the playoffs, right? Yeah, but I'm just saying if they're all going to be kind of sitting around the same and taking right. oh, hot shots off each other, I'm imagining okay. that's probably the, the lowest that we're going to get. Eh, yeah, probably fair. Yeah. Colts have only got one win. Jesus, I didn't realise they were that bad. Yeah. <laughs> Hope those answer your questions. I know we didn't really answer your questions. We just talked about random shit that we wanted, but it's our show, so fuck it. <laughs> next up, we have our picks for next week. Okay, so we're going to fly through our picks for this week. So first up, we have Thursday Night Football, Denver traveling to Arizona. I've gone for Arizona, Fitz has gone for Denver, and Harry has gone, why is this game? Uh, who, who's your pick there, Harry? Uh, are Denver going to start Swag Kelly? No. Oh, then... I don't Den- think so. Right, so Denver aren't going to start Swag Kelly. Yeah. Right, then Denver. Okay, so I would actually... I'd be airing more towards Denver if they were starting Swag Kelly. <laughs> have you seen Swag Kelly? Yes! It'll be hilarious. <laughs> Because uh, they also like they have less of a line now. He couldn't get ahead of Paxton. Okay, so why why Denver? Oh God, do I have to explain? Very this? quickly. Okay, look, I just think that Arizona are, have not turned the corner. I think the team is just a hot mess right now. It still looks like that. They still have, for some bizarre reason, no idea how to utilize one of the best running backs in the league. The O line is a dumpster fire. Their young quarterback is playing okay, and we're getting a little bit out of like Christian Kirk and stuff. But like, as long as that O line continues to suck, they'll get sacked all day long. Uh, who's good at sacking people? Von Miller. There, yeah. Denver allowed the New York Jets to run for over 300 yards on them. David Johnson is a much better running back than anyone on oh. the Jets. I hope you're right, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and they're also Arizona, the home team, and just the percentages on that are significant. Next up, Tennessee at the LA Chargers. Uh, we have taken the Chargers across the board, Fitz. Because we all hate Tennessee. Well, I hope. Well, me and Harry certainly do. Yeah, yeah I do. Chargers. Look fun. They 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 actually playing fun. They're managing to make field goals. Uh, this is great progress. Yeah, it's uh, true. It would be we very chargers to lose this game. I, that was exactly on, what popped into my brand. head as soon as you said but it. We don't want them to lose this game, so we should all pick for them. Yeah, Go fair. Go uh, next up, we've carried Carolina, Philadelphia. Oh, actually, Ronan, this is your game of the week. So we've taken Philly across the board. Uh, what? Give us a quick brief on this game. Yeah, so like a classic trend in Fizzle Picks games is here's two teams I think are on the edge of like uh, playoff contention. That's pretty much these two in a, in a nutshell. Carolina, like I really rate New Orleans, so I think they're more wildcard type of team. Philadelphia obviously competing against the NFC East trash. And I think, you know, three and three for Philly, three and two for Carolina, very similar records. Like I just think it's interesting because both of these teams are teams who kind of lack a 
full-on identity right now. They both have star quarterbacks, Carson Wentz and Cam Newton, but they've both kind of been very up and down this season, and perhaps they're being required to, to carry a bit more weight than they might have done in recent years with their defences kind of underperforming and the, the weapons around them being you know, missing either due to injury or to lack of investment, particularly on Carolina's side. So I think, you know, when you come in here, you have Philly at home. They've generally looked better at home, um, but they obviously we'll see if they can get Corey Clement and, and Wendell Smallwood uh, for reasons uh, going. And then I think Alshon Jeffrey and Aguilar, that's, that's pretty good. So I like Philly in this game. I think they're a good team, but the defense was surprisingly brittle in, in recent weeks. And I'll be interested to see whether they can shore up against Carolina. Because Carolina, you know, like they have looked okay at offense, and obviously have Cam Newton, but they have such limited weapons, you could just focus in on McCaffrey and Olsen, and you should be able to stop them. Punches of like maybe get 50 yards. And I think, you know, hopefully they can do that. Because I think the, the upside for Philly is so much more. Uh, but if Carolina loses the game, then New Orleans gets a really strong stranglehold on the NFC South. And that yeah. could make them uh, very sad indeed. No, 100%. That's a good-looking game. I'm looking forward to watching that. Minnesota at the New York Jets. Uh, we've got for Minnesota across the board. I was very close to taking the Jets again. Because they're, they're just fun. They're, it's stupid, but they're fun. They're, <laughs> So uh, we've, t- we've, we've taken Minnesota across the board. Harry, why Minnesota? Yeah, look, I mean, we've seen problems from Minnesota, but it's just really hard to trust this Jets team. Um, they looked, they've looked good a couple of weeks, but I just it feels like they're just due for a fall back to earth. Minnesota's defense is a hot mess, but that offense just has so many weapons right now. I think Cook and is back this week. Yeah, he didn't even look good when he was healthy. So I think the O-line is, is a huge problem for the run game there. But we did see Latavius Murray get going, so yeah. maybe we, we'll, we'll see a little bit more out of that. But it's just I just find this Jets team incredibly hard to trust. And any time they're up against a team that's even halfway good, I'm really going to struggle to pick them. I think Minnesota are a team that's quite literally halfway good, and they've got a really good offense and a really bad defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it can be Minnesota on this one. That's, that's so in vogue at the moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, next up, we have Buffalo and Indianapolis. Uh, even though they've only won one game, we've gone for Indianapolis across the board. Do you know why? <laughs> when your locker room is divided over the fact that you desperately want to start Nathan Peterman instead of a quarterback, like you just cannot trust that team at all. This, oh, this will be a terrible game of football. Do yourself uh, a favor. I think the Colts hope some of their players come back because they had so many injuries. Like Ty Hilton would be a huge in this game, and uh, their defensive starters took down so many. Yeah, I think the Colts have played hard, but the the, the injuries are really awful. Yeah, I think I think aren't they on like their fourth tight end or something at this point? Goes back and looked really good last week. So there. Okay, yeah, back on your Marlon Mack hype. Train, yes, and Freddie Marks is apparently fucking useless now. Yeah, he's been useless for a while. Oh, shut up, man! <laughs> it was like, oh, Matt Breed is injured. He won't play. Better start Freddie Marks. In fact, no, nothing. One snap. What Matt the fuck Breed is like fucking Wolverine or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he looks like he's dead, and then he comes back the next week and plays really. Yeah, good. it's his third season-ending injury of the year. Yeah, he's, 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 it's, it's, it's like, a, it's like if, if Wolverine went to like drama school so like he just he gets tackled and he's like oh my leg it has been removed from my body I am dead only so I can rise again good god next up New England at Chi-Town we're taking New England across the board Fitz like we're picking New England just because we trust them more but you know if, if, if Mac isn't out then like Chicago is a team they play tough at home They'll try to grind this game out, but I think if Matt, like with Mac, unlikely to play, and New England looking to have Rat like turn the corner with their balanced offense and their defense, without accepting their pass rush being okay, I think they should have enough to take over Chicago team, which you know is good but not great. Yeah. Uh, at the moment. And like we said, we saw a lot of conservatism from the Chicago team at the back end of the last game. You can't win games because you win them with conservatism. Uh, next up, you see. 
See, I know Harry would normally go to you in the New England game, but I thought you'd want to talk about the next one. Cleveland at Tampa Bay. We're taking Cleveland across the <laughs> across the board. Harry? Wind it up. Uh, yes, finally my preseason prediction of Tampa Bay being absolute dog shit is finally coming true. Mm. Yeah, don't let their uh, performance against the Falcons fool you. This team is terrible, and Cleveland's defense is good. Well, <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, no, I've no faith in Tampa Bay. Their defense is absolute disaster. Their offense is this weird, flaky thing. Like, Jameis Winston... Through billion yards and four interceptions. You had two really boneheaded uh, interceptions, uh, as well as the touchdowns. Like, this Cleveland defense is much, much better than Atlanta's. They are opportunistic. They turn things over. This this offense in Tampa Bay is a turnover machine. Uh, I think Cleveland are going to actually look pretty good in this game. Yep. Uh, but but given who, how badly coached both these teams are, this is expect some like weird, sloppy... Messy, weird shit. Oh, yeah, to happen in this 100%. One, right? Next up, Houston to Jacksonville. Harry and Fitz have both gone for Jacksonville. Me, for the crack, I've decided to go for Houston because uh, Jacksonville looked like a hot mess for the last week and a half. So uh, tell us, Jacksonville, Fitz, why? Basically, as I mean, Harry agreed that they're great defensive line will just kill Sean Watson for 60 minutes or for three hours and that will be sufficient to win the game even though the rest of their team looks a bit sketchy at the moment mm. Houston, they just have so many huge holes in their secondary and offensive line that you assume Jacksonville can do something there Yes, you see, you assume they can. I think Houston's best player in this game is going to be Blake Bortles. He is going to fuck shit up, and that's what's going to happen. It's going to be a terrible game of football. Uh, I do not advise anyone to watch it, but uh, Houston in an upset, because fuck it, why not? Uh, Detroit at Miami. We're going for Detroit across the board. Harry, are you not afraid of ex-Patriots coaches going to Miami? It's difficult to play there, I hear. Ah, uh, this game isn't Miami. I didn't actually realize that. I didn't change my pick. No, fuck. Like, look, um, Brock Lobster. Like, I mean, come on, man. Like that game was such a fluke. Detroit have a running game now, which is exciting. They have three very good wide receivers. Miami are a weird, flaky team that win weird, strange games through weird, strange play calling. I don't think that Detroit, oh, but Detroit are the kind of team who get caught flat. Oh, you may, you may think I might change our pick now. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of idiots would lose to Miami? Oh yeah, Detroit. That's exactly the type of idiots who would lose to Miami. No, seriously, I think that this team is much less prone to stupid defeats than the Bears are based off the coaching. I think we've seen uh, this team improve throughout the season. I think the run game is going to be absolutely critical here. And uh, yeah, I just don't trust Brock Osweiler, so Detroit. We don't want to see Miami win. That probably that influenced my pick, certainly. Fair. I don't want to see them win. I don't want to see them go to the playoffs. So Detroit in the playoffs would be stupid, but at least it'd be a bit more fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, again, a weird one. Uh, next up's my pick of the week, New Orleans at Baltimore. I was very torn in this one. I decided again to go for the upset. So the lads have gone for New Orleans. I've gone for Baltimore. I can see this game going either way. New Orleans looked exceptionally good last week. Uh, they're really getting stuff going. The return of Ingram has allowed them to get a bit more balance on their run game, getting good performance out of their wide receivers. Their defense looked a little bit better, even though it's still not good. Baltimore, the their hand like their defense just looks incredibly good i think they've been rounding into form as a kind of playoff level team it's games like this that they need to show up in they're at home new orleans are traveling a bit of a distance to get to them i think it just feels like that kind of spot where like new orleans have been a bit up and down in some games this year and the ravens seem like the kind of defense you might be able to just 
go in and just just put it to them on the day. I wouldn't say that I would think Baltimore are a better team overall, but I just have a feeling that at home they might win this one. Let me let me let me drop some maths on you, my friend. Let me let me prove to you <laughs> with my irrefutable facts and logic why you Connor are wrong. Just went through a lot of math. I'm not sure yeah. he should have. No, no, no. It's when he's, it's when he's vulnerable. <laughs> this, doesn't expect this is the hill he wants to die. <laughs> New Orleans beat the Browns, and the Browns beat the Ravens by induction logic. Uh, I don't think it's induction, but that is in- induction. Is okay. it's literally induction? Mm. Three line arguments induction. I think they're actually opposite in mathematical proofs. Yeah. Oh, I'm talking about philosophical induction. I was going to oh, do yes, some yes. maths, but I can't <laughs> actually open the scores on my phone for some reason. <laughs> so I can't tell you exactly how many points the Saints will win by, but it will be in overtime. Apparently, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, this will be. Yeah, it's... I'm back in my Super Bowl pick. So yeah. Yeah, like I said, I do. I still, I still have New Orleans getting to the championship game, I think. But like, yeah. yeah. Next up is Harry's pick of the week: Dallas at the Mazungus. Because <laughs> uh, Harry hates himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These guys got the good games. Gone um, for Washington across the board. Yeah. Look, I. Uh, this this game is important. Like this comes back to um, the idea of what we're talking about. Like these these are teams. This this is one of the things that's going to ultimately probably come down to deciding a playoff race in a mediocre division. And it's an important game for that reason. It's also like America's game or whatever. But um, I think this is interesting. We saw Dallas kind of look <gasps> I just realized good. it's Cowboys and Injuns. Yes, this is also the most racist game. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, every game Washington plays is the most racist <laughs> game. But this is, this is definitely among them. This is a Cowboys team that like seemed to have suddenly found some life on offense this week. We saw them get... Thanks to Conor McGregor. <laughs> don't talk about this anymore. Um, but also a Washington team that we saw bounce back from a tough defeat to uh, to, to to look like pretty pretty solid despite missing uh, quite a few weapons due to injury. So I think this is going to be an interesting one of like this is one of those games that's going to ultimately settle the tie breaks and what's going to be quite a closely contested division between teams that aren't very good. I think I I think Dallas were a flash in the pan last week. I don't think we're going to see that same kind of performance because while it was very well executed, the play calling was still quite bland and very similar to what they've been doing in the past. I don't think we saw anything particularly new from them. We just saw them doing it better. Whereas Washington are a tough prospect at home. We know that this is this is they, they, they don't fare well on the road, but they, they can pull off good wins at home. Uh, so I think there's going to be a bit, you know, I think we're going to see a bit more from them there than, uh, than we're going to see out of Dallas. And I think the return of Chris Thompson will also give them a bit more mm-hmm. uh, flexibility in that short passing game, which is kind of what kind of what you need there. So, yeah, uh, I think Washington, I, I mean, I don't really care about this game, but I think it is going to be important for deciding the playoff yeah, situation. Yeah, no, it is big time. Next up, we have the LA Rams taking on the San Francisco 49ers. This was flexed out of for the primetime game. We've gone for the Rams across the board. Fitz? The, the 49ers have been surprisingly spirited since Jimmy G went down, but the LA Rams are the best team in football right now. Uh, certainly near the most complete team in football because their defense is only average while their offense is <laughs> which basically puts a leg up over all the other good teams in the NFL. Mm. Uh, so I expect they'll come into 49ers put up a shit ton of points. And the only question is how many yards will God Gurley get? Uh, because this year it just seems that he will have all of the yards in the world. Obviously, Jared Goff also looking for a, a jump back from what was a relatively conservative out, 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 out game against Denver. Uh, but you could blame that on the conditions. See if he bounces back uh, in this game. But yeah, it's very hard to see 49ers winning this game. Yeah. One, one day they will give Todd Gurley the ball and he will start running and he will never stop. He'll just. <laughs> it's be like Forrest Gump. Yeah, straight out the stadium. Exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, next up, we have the game that was in the late slide and has now been flexed to Sunday Night Football Cincinnati at the Kansas City Chiefs. We've gone for the Chiefs across the board. 
Yeah, I think there's going to be a very good game since he look like a playoff caliber team. Uh, they got a good run game, and let's be honest, as we saw last week, Kansas City can't really defend particularly well against the run or the pass or the anything in between. But yeah, Kansas City at home, expect them to start putting up points quickly and for this to be exciting. I just honestly, I just hope that Vontas Burfett doesn't just like kill some of our players. But yeah, overall exciting game. Did, wasn't it wasn't Sherman he killed last time. Was it? I can't remember. I think uh, Anthony Sherman took a massive hit off him. Was it last season or the preseason or something? Could have been preseason actually. Yeah, it wasn't very nice. nice no, though. no. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see as well because I think there's talk about one or two players potentially getting back. So we might be able to see whether some of them are uh, looking healthy <laughs> or not. Well, be re-injured. Well, no, but basically that like they come in and like we probably wouldn't use them a huge amount. We just use them like snap count to try and see what they look Burford like. only needs one snap. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, Snap don't the both <laughs> But yeah, so KC taking it in an exciting Sunday Night Football game. Finally, we have Monday Night Football, the best of all the games. The New York Football Giants taking on the Atlanta Football Falcons. Uh, Harry, we've gone for Atlanta across the board in this one. Uh, like, yeah, no, look, I mean, Atlanta have their problems, and oh boy, they have their problems, but good God, the Giants. And we discussed this recent pods. This team is just a mess. It is bad in every conceivable fashion. The culture has collapsed. Their quarterback is awful. Their defense isn't that good. Uh, Players are giving up. There's nothing to like about the Giants right now. And the Falcons, I mean, their defense is absolute garbage, but like their offense is one of the hottest in the league. So yeah, at home, very difficult to see them losing to this sad sack Giants outfit. How many touchdowns will Odell Beckham throw? Zero. Interesting. Uh, Mohamed Sanu, however, huh. he's due one. He is overdue. So any other crack with yourselves? Has any plans for the rest of the week? Tommy Ben's engagement party on uh, tomorrow, I think, oh, actually. Oh, very good. Uh, yeah, everyone's getting married. It's weird. Yeah, what did yourself? It's any shka? Uh, not much. Just been... Uh, probably watched the football. Maybe watched the rugby as well this weekend. And it's back. Mm. Champions Cup. Leinster looked really good. Uh, that's actually probably... Like, considering... The people we know listen to this podcast that's probably we did more stuff on Leinster they probably listen to it even more yeah that's true we'll just keep telling them that we do our quick discussion of Leinster at the end and all we do is just Leinster suck a little bit of breaking news I'll leave uh, I'll quit we've got breaking Devante news has, Devante Freeman is headed to IOR oh so that's a pretty big move for the Atlanta Falcons uh, just going to see more Ito Smith in my fence <laughs> everyone myself and Connor are racing to add Ito Smith now. it's still going to go through the waiver wires guys it's okay yeah nothing else too wild or crazy I don't think yeah. uh, I think I'm playing some Dungeons and Dragons this week yeah oh uh, my god you nerd yeah it's fun so uh, second session in this new campaign so my ranger is going to level 5 but yeah, yeah. You're, you're, I'm very proud of you you just did several modules on econometrics and all, and all that's really just probability and dice rolls. So yeah, that's true. Expert level. <laughs> Goodbye, Alfred Morris. There was a, you did nothing uh, for my team. You there, just there's a great story if everyone look it up online about a guy who was just mentioning uh, economics and the thing that uh, there's a guy who decided to run. He was running a long campaign with these guys, and they were allowed in between to do whatever they wanted in like the downtime of a month or two between campaign adventures ever, and they could spend their money everything. So like some of them bought an inn, and one of them did you know, all that kind of shite, right? And then uh, this guy was slowly but surely buying up ships. And what he did was he built a trade armada and then all of a sudden became the richest person in the world and actually owned everything in the uh, thing. And they had to go through the numbers. So the guy had to send him on the sheets that he'd been running the numbers on. He's like, shit, this guy actually does now own the entire country that we're fictionally playing this game in. <laughs> it's just bizarre. Some people are weird. 
That sounds like it, yeah. I mean, well, mm. fair play. There's always a sort of joy in pushing the rules of the game yeah. to a conclusion, right? Yeah, but no, uh, no, it's good fun. But uh, yeah, so I suppose, as always, hit us up online if you want to give us some questions. So we're on Facebook and, in theory, on Twitter. We're definitely on Pornhub. We're sometimes on Etsy. Uh, less so since the wedding, so I don't have to buy as much stuff there anymore. But yeah, any other websites that you guys are on these days? Anything coming out of you? Other than firejohngruden.com? <laughs> Uh, nah, just staying on with the deep web, buying my drug-stitutes. Drug-stitutes. They're Very prostitutes made entirely out of drugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or drugs oh, made sorry. entirely out of prostitutes? Yeah, oh, that's sure. darker. I don't even know. All I know, is, all I know is you buy them with Bitcoin. Oh, wow. Which yeah. is slowly uh, using, yeah, destroying our uh, environment. Yeah, apparently. but it makes sense that you would buy something made up with something that's also made up. Yeah, makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> alright guys so I suppose that'll wrap us up for this week so it's bye from myself bye from Harry bye bye from Ronan bye it's been all four quarters thanks very much for listening and we'll chat to you next week